Chapter 1 Begin at the beginning, the king said very gravely, and go on till you come to the end. Lewis Carroll, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland Slowly, the large iron gates surrounding the infamous compound creaked open and our shuttle began its ascent up the steep driveway. My nose was pressed so tightly against the window, anxious to spot any sign of the luxurious Holmby Hills estate expertly hidden by the lush foliage, that my makeup smudged on the glass. Over my shoulder, I heard a fellow partygoer point out the first glimpse of the 20,000-square-foot Gothic Tudor that was steadily coming into view. There it is, a man in silk pajamas shouted. I craned my neck to spot the roof and fixed my eyes on the horizon as the mansion began to surface. Like an early morning sunrise, it was magic. The estate, situated on five rolling acres in one of L.A.'s most prestigious neighborhoods, looked like a castle from a fairy tale. My large eyes widened, trying to fully absorb this moment. As the shuttle reached the top of the driveway, my girlfriend Heather spotted the infamous Playmates at Play sign and nudged me in the ribs. Look, she said, her smile so large I thought it was about to snap off her cheeks. We both burst into laughter. We were positively giddy. We are actually here, I thought. I made it to the mansion. It had become a goal of mine to see the inside of these walls, and I told myself that I could now happily check that one off the bucket list. I even wondered if I would meet Gatsby himself, Mr. Hugh Hefner. My story wasn't atypical. A small-town girl, farmer's daughter, so to speak, who dreamt of becoming someone extraordinary. There were less than 10,000 residents in my hometown, and my high school graduating class was smaller than the guest list to most Hollywood parties. Since then, it has seen a boost in tourism thanks in part to the Twilight movies, but let me assure you, there was no Edward Cullen sauntering through my lunchroom. After graduation, I moved 30 miles away to attend Portland State University, which didn't feel far enough, but it was the best I could do. It was early 1999, and I was in my second year in college when I heard on the news that Playboy's Millennium Playmate search was coming to Portland. Immediately, my mind started to wander. I found Oregon's weather depressing, and I didn't feel like opportunity exactly lurked around every corner there. I had been thinking a lot about moving to Los Angeles to try my luck, but I didn't know anyone in L.A. or have the financial means to make such a big move. Apparently, according to the report, the magazine had been conducting a nationwide on-the-road search for the Millennium Playmate. A gigantic tour bus traveled the United States and Canada, stopping in 45 cities testing candidates. The girl chosen would receive $200,000— would appear inside the January 2000 issue of Playboy, and be flown around the world to represent the men's magazine for the entire year. It sounded like just the opportunity I was looking for. This wasn't the first time Playboy popped up on my radar. Like many children of the 80s, it wasn't abnormal for us to have a Playboy magazine subscription arrive at the house. I even remember my mom and dad studying the front cover once to find the hidden rabbit head. As a kid, you think that sounds like a pretty fun game, but we were quickly told that it was for adults only. One day, my sister and I were scouring the house for any Christmas presents my mom may have hidden when we came across a few Playboys that had been hidden away. We flipped through in absolute hysterics, pointing out all the bare butts. 
I was a kid, so I thought it was hilarious. While Playboy wasn't completely foreign to my home, it still felt rebellious. I knew that if I auditioned for the Millennium Playmate and happened to be chosen, my parents wouldn't be thrilled at the prospect of me posing naked, but possibly would have respected my decision. It was a reputable magazine with a storied history, so it felt edgy, but also somehow safe. Plus, at the time, many of Hollywood's biggest stars were appearing in the magazine. Cindy Crawford, Jenny McCarthy, Drew Barrymore, etc. Not to mention, my icon Marilyn Monroe was Playboy's first ever cover girl. Naturally, I too had pipe dreams about one day being in the magazine. This is perfect, I thought. I'm going to audition. According to the news report, the process was quite simple. Call the provided number, make an appointment, and show up with your favorite bikini. That's when my genius idea to fast-track my stardom hit its first speed bump. I didn't actually own a bikini. In my defense, I lived in Oregon. Why would I need a bikini? And when I say things were tight financially, I mean they were tight. But I decided it was about time to make an investment in my future. After calling the number, getting the address where the bus would be stationed, and securing an audition time the following week, I went shopping.